Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Well, good morning, church family. I hope we're all feeling a little less discombobulated than we were last week. I was thinking, you know, what makes it tough to adjust to this new normal is that our new normal is that there is not a normal these days. We had a a funny family moment this past Sunday. I had talked about being discombobulated. And then Sunday afternoon at 1.30, someone said, hey, why is a nurse walking up to our front door? Well, it hit me. Oh, I am so discombobulated. I forgot I had scheduled a wellness exam for my life to update our life insurance. And I forgot to tell the family. And so in she came and we sat down at the the, uh, kitchen table there. And she put me through a battery of of questions, checking on my health, but then it got serious. She pulled out a needle, some test tubes, and prepared to draw some blood. Well, I had just shared in the message about the time I took Chad to kindergarten and gave him the the man up, pain is profitable talk. And just about the time she was going to take my blood, Chad walked into the kitchen. And so I said, hey, Chad, do you happen to have that little orange ball I could borrow and squeeze in this moment? And we had a good laugh, funny moment. But you know what did hit me hard as I sat there at the kitchen table and the nurse asked me question after question regarding my health and my answer was no, no, no. Have I had this or have I had that? No, no. And the Lord just reminded me that John, Every moment, every day of normal health, good health, is a gift. And as I sat there at the the kitchen table with her, I was reminded of the core truth that we covered in 1 Peter 1, verses 3 to 7, where our default posture, especially as we go through seasons of, of stress and trying times, must be praise. And we have so many reasons to praise the Lord, don't we? What a gift. It was to, uh, to join with our faith family on Thursday night and so appreciate Wes and Abby and Tyson making it possible for us to, to uh, connect together as a faith family via Facebook Live for a time of worship and praise. And it was neat to uh, just lift our eyes from our issues that are going on around us and lock in on the one who loves us, the one that we love and to praise the Lord for all that He's done in our lives. And thank you to everyone who joined in. It was my first Facebook Live experience, and man, what a neat moment to see people joining in. You go from praising one minute to praying for somebody, to uh, people would share scripture or share their thoughts, and it was just a, a great community time. So I invite you to join us if you, if you were not a part of, of this last week's time. Well, today, the truth that we're going to cover equips us to take a crucial next step as we follow our Lord, especially as we navigate difficult circumstances. We're going to return to the letter of Hebrews. And as we come back to the letter, we have just entered a a season in the book or in the, the train of thought of the writer, which is really a pivot point where he goes from heavy on explanation to heavy on motivation. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 begins a, a new uh, 
path of thought where he begins to take us into areas of how this truth that he's been talking about applies to our lives. And we're going to lock in on, on Hebrews chapter 12, the first two verses, and use that as a launch pad into some other truth throughout this, this letter. The one word to remember today is this word, persevere. So would you join me? Hebrews chapter 12, we'll begin reading in verse 1. The writer says, therefore, and we know whenever we see the word therefore, He's pointing back to something that's important, and he's pointing back really to, to the train of thought that begins in Hebrews 10, but, but specifically to Hebrews 11, where he lists a group of people, 16 people he lists, but really a, a great group of people who have followed God by faith. And he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so here the big idea is persevere, persevere. It's as if God is handing us our running shoes and saying, all right, it's time to put these on, and we have a race to run. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. We, you may be wondering, okay, in what way do we persevere? And, and what the Lord is, is calling us to is a perseverance in our trust of Him, to, to believe Him even when the way ahead is hard, to trust Him through whatever terrain that, that our life is taking us. To which we say, okay, how? How do we do this? What's this look like? Before we get to the how, it's, we receive some important information as to our situation. And so we'll just make some observations here as we, as we see in this text. Three observations. The first one is this. We're in a race that's been marked out for us. We are in a race so that when we have the thought, okay, is my life just this meaningless, random circle of endless events that, that really are not going anywhere? The answer is no. We are moving in a race. Like every step matters, every day matters, and we're going from point A to point B. And the comfort in this truth is this race has been marked out for us. It's the idea that God in His infinite goodness and His infinite wisdom has made a way, made a path. It's unique for each one of our lives, but, but He has marked out your race, my race for us. And so when despair begins to whisper, what's the point? And is there a purpose to all of, all of this? We know, yes, this step matters. This day matters. It's not meaningless. And we're moving along a path that's been marked out by the one who loves us. Second observation this race will demand endurance. This comes out of the text where we see the word for race in the Greek is literally agon, which, from which we get our word agony. So to say it another way, you could say, let us run with perseverance the agony marked out for us. Now, initially this, this may not seem like good news, but it is in that it gets our mindset ready, doesn't it? When you know that what's coming may bring some pain, we ready ourselves, we ready our mind to endure through that pain when it arrives. Third observation, 
is this. You can persevere. When God says, let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, He's assuring us that we can do this because if He calls us to it, He will empower us to do it. But the evidence in this text that you can persevere or the encouragement in this text is found in verse 1 where he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and the idea here, some have have taken this to to be the picture of the the, uh, Greek games and the crowds, stadium full of crowd, the crowds, and these people looking in on us, we're the ones running the race, and, and those who have gone before are cheering us on. This is in with, within the realm of possibility, but what the author probably intends is another picture. And it's the picture of these people who have gone before, those in Hebrews chapter 11, Abraham, Noah, Moses, uh, Sarah, those who have run their race, they are witnesses of God's faithfulness and of the reality that ordinary people like them, like us, can actually run with perseverance the race, even when it's tough to go. So it's not necessarily them cheering us on that propels us. It's the fact that they did it. And they were ordinary, broken, messed up people like us, and yet they trusted God when it was hard to trust Him, and He propelled them. He was faithful to them as they followed Him. uh, He points to this reality again in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 7 and 8, where he says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their life and imitate their faith, for Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so be encouraged. You can persevere. So now to the question, how do we actually run with perseverance? What's this look like to to persevere? This is the question that, that it's one thing to, to persevere when the way is, is easy or just normal days or even downhill. But how do we persevere when the way is hard? When we're facing even what we're going through now, just a, it seems to be a, a chronic stress or chronic tension that we feel that, that weighs on us, the uncertain future, and it creates some stress in our relationships. How do we persevere in our faith, trusting God every step of the way, following Him into a life of love, loving Him with all our heart, soul, mind, strength, and then loving the people around us the way that He loved us? And what this text gives us is two steps and a mindset, two steps and a mindset, two steps and a mindset. So the first step is this, lose the weight. We see this in the second part of verse 1 where he says, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. The phrase, let us throw off everything that hinders, and the phrase, everything that hinders, literally refers to excess body weight. The idea in view here is of an athlete training themselves, disciplining themselves to, to, uh, to lose any, all the weight that would they need to lose in order to run a race that, that will be successful. For us, as, as we follow Jesus, it's asking the question, is there anything that's keeping me from the disciplines or the habits that will help me be spiritually fit, soul fit as I follow Christ? We know that God calls us in His Word to train ourselves to be like Christ. And 
So as a church family, we, we talk about those five habits that lead to soul transformation, help us become more like Christ, the gathering weekly as believers, which right now we're doing in a, a different way, but that's the first one. And then we talk about uh, praying for at least one person who may be far from God, evangelism and reach. And then we talk about connecting as a faith family and smaller groups and just encouraging each other in that context. Then we talk about the fourth habit, a daily meeting where we grow in our, our faith and our love and just prioritizing that time with God and His Word. And then fifth, we talk about the habit of service and just looking for ways to serve. And you know, a time like this that we're going through where our schedules and our routines are, are messed up and God has given us the chance to just jump the rut, get out of our everyday rut, is a great time to ask, is there anything in my life that's hindering the disciplines, the habits that, that I just need to, to lose and come back to these core habits that will help me follow Christ and become fit as I follow Him? A second, The second idea here, the phrase, throw off not only the things that hinder us, but the sin that so easily entangles, is speaking into the, uh, the imager here is, if you are trying to run, it's clothing that just clings to you and continually trips you up, wraps around you, and it's, it's just hard to get your pace because it, it wraps, clings to you. And the question for us is, is there a sin, something that we know God has said, this is, this is not right and this will hurt you, it hurts Him, that we just need to get rid of. It's at this point in the letter that the, the writer becomes pretty practical and it's it's a point i i picture a uh, a fridge door and a bunch of sticky notes on that refrigerator door of practical ways to become more like christ and throughout the rest of the letter you'll you'll see different ways i'll, I'll share three of these categories that he speaks into which i'm guessing we could all lose some weight in each of these categories. So we'll just read through these. It's The first has to do with relationships, the next morality, and then the final one has to do with money. But it's they're found in chapter 13, verse 1. We'll begin with relationships where he says, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. And I love this. It, it has the idea of, it's the, the word love is philos love, family love, and it's just let love remain and continue to love each other as brothers and sisters. And then do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. And here is that just having a heart for people that we don't even know and being uh, hospitable to them. Third is continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. And this is that idea of compassion. And a great question to ask as we think about our relationships, is there anything that's keeping me from loving well? The second area is morality. And we see this in verse 4, where he says, Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure. God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. And a great question to ask here, is there something I'm doing that's morally questionable? And often those areas that, where we even have to ask, is this okay, are things that we just need to get rid of. And then the, the third area, 
is that of money. And we see this in verses 5 and 6, where he says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and, and be content with what you have. Because God has said, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? A great question to ask in regards to money. Am I living free from the love of money? Is my heart greed free? Well, on Sunday afternoon, as I was going through my medical exam, the nurse had me hop up on a scale right there in the kitchen. And so I stepped up on it and was shocked by the number. I asked her if I could take my shoes off and she said, yep, go ahead. It didn't help much. And so as I sat back down on the table thinking, what in the world happened? It hit me. All this talk of running out of food and having a fridge that was now fully stocked, I had been munching like a chipmunk preparing for hibernation <laughs> over the past week. And I needed to uh, stop some things and then start some things. And as I thought, think about our spiritual life, so it is, right, as we follow Christ. And when we go through trying times and, and stressful situations, often we can let good habits slip and we can allow bad habits to, to sneak into our lives. And uh, we gain some weight spiritually. And that weight, little as it may be, will have an effect on us as we seek to follow Christ especially long-term. And so may I just encourage you now to think through your life and think about, is there something that's hindering me in the disciplines as I seek to, to follow Christ? Is there a sin that, that is clear, clearly said in God's Word that I just need to throw off? And we'll just take a moment to, to pray on your own now as you think about your own life. All right, so the first step is to lose the weight. The second step to help us persevere is to look to Jesus. And this is where it gets good. He says, second part of verse 1, and, or uh, I'm sorry, verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus. When the race gets hard, this is when we must look to Jesus. And it's interesting that the, word, the phrasing here carries the idea of looking away from one thing and focusing on another. And as you think about moving through a trying time and a difficult time, a thousand and one voices call for our attention, don't they? But what a gift here for God to be calling us to, to just focus on Jesus. Look to Jesus. The, uh, think about where does our power come to endure? How do we throw off the sin that, that entangles us? And how do we run with perseverance? This is really the source of our power as we look to Jesus by faith. So what are we seeing as we look to Jesus? And he goes on. In verse 2 he says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Pioneer means the one who is leading us. He's the example that we follow as he, he led a life that was fully surrendered to his father. The perfecter of our faith means he will complete our faith. He's the one who gives us our faith. He will sustain our faith and help us to finish well for him. And then notice he's fixing his eyes. He's, his eyes are fixed on the joy before him. As Jesus endured the cross, he was looking ahead to the glory that would come, the joy that would come. And you say, well, what was his joy? It was the joy of pleasing his father 
of hearing his father say, well done. It was the joy of being with his father again, but it was also the joy of making a way for you and me to be with him forever. Who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He endured the cross. And as he did, he scorned the shame. As you think about what our Lord did for us, you think about the shame in those final moments of his life. The shame that that came his way as his uh, friends betrayed him, as leaders mocked him, as the soldiers slapped him, as the crowds um, cried crucify him as he was paraded through the city as that crown of thorns was pressed down upon his head, as he was beaten, as people spit on him, as they took his clothes off, as the nails were driven through his hands and his feet. Shame, shame, shame was coming his way. But what did he do with the shame? This text tells us he scorned the shame. I love that picture. What does... What does it mean to scorn something? It means that we have disdain for it or contempt for it. And with every wave of shame that came towards our Lord, He was scorning it. You think you can stop me? You think you can touch this love in my heart that's propelling me to take this cross? You can't stop me. You can't stop this love I have for my Father. You can't stop this love I have for you. Those who are even crucifying him, he was dying in their place. He scorned the shame. And then don't you love the way this text turns in an instant? He scorned the shame, and then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Someday I think as we look back on our suffering moments, it'll feel like that. You know, yes, we experience shame for a moment or pain for a moment, but boom, the next moment we're with our Lord. He says, The God here is saying, okay, as you go through your season of suffering, as you run your race, your agony, look to Jesus. Um, Follow Him the way that He ran. Run with the surrender that He ran. Know that He's with you in this race. Endure the cross. Know that there will be pain and suffering. But as you do, keep your eyes on the joy to come. And when shame comes your way, scorn it, scorn it, scorn it, knowing that in an instant, one day soon, you're going to be with me. Recently, I saw a picture that that really sums all this up that has been so helpful to me. I share it with you today. It's called the J-curve, and the fellow who shared this is a pastor. He's an author, a theologian, professor, but it's uh, all throughout the Bible. But today's text, you can just see it so clearly. The J-curve is really the path of our, our faith journey. Here's the beginning where we come to faith in Christ. And by the way, if you haven't trusted Christ with your life, that's His invitation even to you today where you trust Him as your Savior, believing that He died for you, rose from the dead, and and offers eternal life. But we begin when we our faith journey when we trust Him. We know the promise is a life of joy forever with Him. The new heaven, the new earth, Revelation chapter 20, 21, all of that. And so... We know Jesus had his eyes fixed on this joy. But the reality is our life doesn't go up and to the right. 
as we follow Christ. There is a curve into suffering. And that's what he's talking about here when he says, okay, run this race, this agony, because this race will involve a cross. A cross is something that we, where we lay down our life for the good of the people around us and for the glory of God. And with the cross will come shame. But our mindset as we come to this is to persevere. Because as we persevere, we know this is not the end of the story. Resurrection is coming. But what a great picture as we set out to, uh, to persevere. It's the way of Christ. And we know that as we experience the cross moments and the shame, He meets us in those moments. And so what God gives us in this text, two steps, lose the weight, look to Jesus. But now we come to the third thing, and that is a mindset. And the mindset is this, finish the race. We don't just drift into perseverance, do we? I don't, I've never met a, a person who finished a marathon that just happened to be out running one day and finished the marathon. <laughs> to, to finish 26.1 miles, you have to decide at some point in your life, I'm going to finish this race because there's going to be a thousand and one reasons to quit. Pain at every step to say stop. And unless we had a moment where we decided, you know what? I have decided in my mind, I've made a decision, a commitment that I'm not going to quit, that I'm going to run, that I'm going to endure. And when my body screams, stop. When my mind starts to waver, I'm not stopping. And if I have to crawl, I will crawl. But by God's grace and by His power and for His glory and with His love, I will endure. I will finish. And so it is for us as followers of Jesus Christ, as we follow Christ into a life that will involve a cross, laying down our life out of love for Him and those around us, there must be a moment that we decide, I'm going to finish this thing. Because there will be a moment in your marriage when you're going to want to quit on the person you've committed to love. There'll be a moment in relationships, in your ministry teams, in uh, at your workplace, wherever it may be, that you're going to want to quit God's calling on your life to love the people around you the way He called you to love. And there has to be a decision that says, I'm not going to stop. He didn't stop for me. He's called me to run with perseverance this race that He's marked out for me. And I'm not going to stop. By His grace, by His power, for His glory, with His love, I'm going to carry on. Would you make that commitment today? I believe God's leading us all to a moment today to really, in these, this season of stress and trial, to say, all right, I'll pick up these running shoes and I'm going to take it to the finish. For your glory, Lord, I'm going to follow you even when it's hard. I love the way uh, someone said that the letter of Hebrews is not necessarily a proposition of full of propositions similar to the epistles that Paul writes, but it's a sermon written by a pastor, and you can fill that in Hebrews chapter 11. And he starts writing, I encourage you to go back and read that, but sharing story after story. To these people, familiar stories of Abraham and Noah, and he lists person after person and uh, just says, hey, watch these guys run. 
And, and I'll show you just a taste of this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. He says, and what more shall I say? I don't have time to tell you about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephna and David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, who became powerful in battle, routed foreign armies, women received back the dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released, that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, and others chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went destitute in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. Therefore, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Team, I, as I look to the future, I believe that, that uh, good days are coming. I believe that as a world, as a nation, as a community, we're going to get through this temporary trial that we're experiencing now. And I think we're going to come out even stronger and that uh, we have great days ahead. But do you know one thing I, I know for sure? I don't know what tomorrow holds. <laughs> I don't know. And it could very well be that the world as we know it crumbles. Whether tomorrow is beautiful or whether tomorrow the world as we know it crumbles, this we know, this race has been marked out for us. And our calling as followers of Jesus Christ stands. And it's to do this. Persevere. Persevere. How? One step at a time. Lose the weight. Look to Jesus. Lose the weight. Look to Jesus. Lose the weight. Look to Jesus. And when our race takes a turn, we keep on. Lose the weight. We look to Jesus. Lose the weight. When it gets hard and we're going uphill, lose the weight. Look to Jesus. Lose the weight. Look to Jesus. With the mindset, by God's grace, I will finish this race. Lose the weight. Look to Jesus. Lose the weight. Look to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you join me in prayer? Father, I thank you for your word to us today. And what an encouragement to hear you call us in the midst of these trying times to persevere. 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 Jesus, I thank you for making this possible for, uh, for taking our sin to, uh, to the cross for us and through faith in you that we could be free from sin, that we have the power to throw it off. And so I pray, Lord, that you would help us to throw off whatever it is that's hindering us, that we might run with endurance after you. And then, Lord, I pray that you would help us in the midst of all the distractions just to lock in on you, to see you, Jesus, and to follow you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to finish well. Help us to be an encouragement to one another, to support one another in this season. But Lord, may your word today just bear much fruit in our hearts. Let it sink deep and let it propel us to go hard after you. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. May I encourage you in over the next few moments, Wes will lead us in a time of worship now. But after that, just spend some time as a family or whatever group you're in 
thinking through the discussion questions and really just what has God used from his word today to encourage you or convict you or where is he at work in your life and pray together about those. And then uh, looking forward to, to being back with you next week, we'll be wrapping up our soul care series and our time in Hebrews. But uh, the Lord bless you as you go. We love you. God bless. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.